Namaste viewers. Welcome to Jaipur Dialogue USA, uh, our Sunday morning show from New York. To begin with, I want to request each one of the viewers, spread the word, subscribe to the show, like and share and press the bell icon. And with that request, I want to start off. Today is a very pious day. That is the Krishna Janmashtami day. It's a pious day and we are doing this program on such a pious occasion. With me to discuss this issue of how Hindus must arise to fight the barbarians at the gate is the theme. And what do we learn from Bhagwan Krishna's lessons to us? I have great Krishna follower, Mr. Adit Satsangiji, who is a founder of a, of a company, an entity, which is called Satology. Satology is a word you will not find in dictionary. It's a new word. It is to counter the mythology that is being branded our faith to be as. So let me shoot off straight away by asking and inquiring with Adityaji. So welcome to the show, Adityaji. Is to what is the importance of Krishna Janamashtami? What is its relevance? Everybody knows it's Krishnaji's birthday. But what is the significance of Krishna Janmashtami? A great question and a, and a good beginning to this show, which is uh, going to be very educational, I hope, uh, for others. Krishna appears in 28th millennium of, of uh, 28th Manvantara and uh, in one day of Brahma, only once. Uh, so there are many other avatar come or Vishnu, but Krishna avatar is once in a day of Brahma, and that too is 28th, uh, 28th month, uh, 28th cycle in the seventh Manvantara, which is going on right now. And people may not know what is Manvantara and other things, but those of you who know uh, will understand. And so it's a very rare this form of Bhagwan when he. And also we understand Krishna from our Acharya, like Vyasadeva. Uh, most of the stories that we discuss comes from Bhagavad Puran and somewhere from other Puran also. But majorly Bhagavad Puran has a, one whole chapter dedicated to it, 10th Canto. And Mahabharata also speaks about that. So Vyasadeva says, Ete cha amsa kala pumsa krishnas tu bhagwan soyam indrari vyakulam lokam vridhyanti yuge yuge. So this appearance of Krishna is extremely important from the Vedic timeline perspective because it's a very rare event. There are many avatars come, but this one is very special. So that way, from the Veda Yuga cycle, this avatar becomes extremely important. And secondly, the activities done by this avatar, even though a lot of mythologists have spread a lot of fake news about him, and, but the activities of this avatar are very endearing to the hearts of people and we can see that that many people are even today discussing about it after between 7000 to 6000 years back 8000 years back this incident happened and the historicity is very starkly accurate vrindavan is still there dwarka is still there all the places where he visited i am from sholapur i was born in sholapur and in vithal that pastime of krishna so it is eternally engraved and, and we can say that 
that that's how that's what makes this avatar really truly bharatiya it happens in all over the landmass of india and also it has the heroes of this mahabharat who were who were connected to krishna very closely traveled all over the world to spread dharma so that way also krishna janmashtami becomes very very special and one of the holiest books and uh, sanatan dharma has many many books vedas is there puran is there but the speaker the first speaker of mahabharat the disciple of vyasdev vashampayan spoke mahabharat in takshila which is in pakistan occupied kashmir today and the, the that entire area including gandhar that was very close to that area was initially part of this book so this you if you see this uh, krishna janmashtami is truly geographical large event connected to many parts of the world uh, you will be shocked to know that there was a greek hero and i'll post you this pictures so you can connect it to this i was visiting a museum in brazil so i got a picture of a tribanga nandan hero of greeks so it is not just in indian history that is being worshiped but it was being worshiped by the greeks also and many of the stories which have been part of the krishna which is shrimad bhagavat puran which was very popular in india traveled to greece and rome and other parts of the world also so therefore it makes it historically even more relevant in today's time and uh, due to various movements there are a lot of krishna devotees all over the world in every country 155 countries now and some places the presidents and the prime ministers are also studying this book gita which was spoken by krishna in uh, in the just before the mahabharat war and it will be so shocking or surprising or i would say for us it's a reality that every major scholar of the world has only commented on bhagavad gita because that is a book worth commenting on there no other book worth commenting on if you comment on any other book you might be beheaded but this book is so open and it 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 is the only book in the world which talks about atma or the spirit soul and so therefore even uh, this book is relevant to the entire humanity not just people origin from india of course is more relevant to bharatiya they should spread it more but it is relevant to all the people of the world uh that is an amazing relevance that you talked about and krishna bhagwan is known with the bhagavad gita relationship and association and mahabharat everything that he taught is right there the truth the you know the politics the soul the importance of soul that the soul never dies or bhagwan krishna says that's me i am it these are very important concepts and you know as a student of bhagavad gita i always look at a few things and that is is that what do we learn from there there are so many teachings and my appeal to all the viewers all hindus all indians is only one thing imbibe one of the teachings in your life and that itself will to use the slang hindi slang wahi hame tari par kar dega you know it's very important to bear that in mind is that if we imbibed one teaching that itself is 
important for us to begin the journey. Instead of trying to imbibe everything, let's learn one thing at a time. As the saying goes, one step at a time. So I would appeal on this pious day of Krishna Janmashtami to all Hindus, all Indians, and everywhere, everybody around the world to imbibe one lesson of Bhagavad Gita and Krishna's Krishna Bhagavan's teachings in your life. Now, we have designed the topic today, the barbarians are at the gate of Hindus and how must Hindus respond? And I believe in my thought very strongly that this is the time for Hindus to arise, awaken and assert and act for themselves. Because agar Bhagwan Krishna ki wo kahani hum jante hain, the Shishupal story, even Bhagwan Krishna had to bear and suffer insults from Shishupal hundred times before he was empowered to behead him. And when that moment was crossed, that Lakshman Rekha was crossed, Krishna did not go seek consensus from the court to do it. He did it. You know, it reminds me of Nike slogan, just do it. So the moment the line was crossed, Krishna went into action. And that's a very important part to remember. And that's where I picked up this theme that have the Hindus of the world not experienced that a hundred violations that the world is doing against them? Isn't it time for us to act? And the reason why this I'm talking about is, the beginning point is that we know we have been under severe attack, as if we are the only dreaded evil on the planet Earth. Rest are all okay because they are doing per their book. But because we are who we are, we have become a threat. And I wanted to read to you uh, this dismantling global Hindutva conference that is happening. What a wonderful timing when Taliban is asserting and doing whatever it does. People are talking about Hindutva being a threat. Now they have a three day conference. There are many topics listed there. Everything is as if it is an evil Hindutva in relation to even the last session is Hindutva and white supremacy. So they want to connect it, connect us with that. But the takeaway point is, and that's the point which must we must contest. And that's the beginning for every Hindu. You see, the barbarian is at the gate. We cannot offer them lassi, gulab jamun, and matar paneer. To, to them to calm them down. They are here to slit our throat. The barbarian is attacking us on every single platform. And this is what Trushke says in her tweet. Do consider attending the to learn more about the threat and power of Hindutva in our world. Threat and power. This is more a fear or phobia that is being done against us Hindus. Where is the power? just because there are 100 CEOs running American companies? Or is it because they see the rise of Hindus, Hindutva with the rise of science and technology that is demolishing the fear and ignorance part of established religious organizations? Your thought. First of all, I would thank Audrey Trashke for uniting all of us, number one. And secondly, I would like to say uh, to people like her, not just she's just a symbol. It is the whole academic institution, right from Max Muller's time, which is working against and spread. Hindu phobia is going on since 1848. 
and uh, in 18, 1888 is where they commissioned a story, commissioned a theory that how Hinduism or Hindutva or Sanatan Dharma is a threat to colonial powers. And, and that was the theory on which civilizing the Hindus campaign was started by the British in 1901 census and creating a new British education policy. Even today, a lot of Christian evangelists go to India to teach English. And I tell Americans generally that in more Indians know better English than most of you, even though that is not their language. Grammatically, they are more correct. And in, and in also the books, the amount of books coming out of India is twice of entire Europe and America put together, even today. So it is the literary powerhouse. And when they say the power of Hindus, now that is a credit to us that despite being colonized so heavily, we are able to stand up. Still, we are able to stand up despite not being in power. Now, to people or academics like her, it is, doesn't look good on their record to be hateful propagandists because when they become hateful propagandists, they are actually leaving academics and science and working on their emotions. So that is first criteria for the universities to fire such kind of po political professors. These are, these are politicians. These are not academicians. Now, and, and the biggest disservice that is happening is to America as a country. And I must tell you, the decline in American international politics has been evident during the past few weeks in the international forum. And that is directly the result of these kind of academics teaching to their students. So the American universities, I know many Indians love to go to American universities to get a better job. Uh, in science and technology, yes, it's good. But humanities, America is the worst. Now, the contrast to them, when they say the threat and the power, obviously we are powerful. Hinduism or Hindus are all very powerful because we have the backing of Bhagavad Gita. We have the backing of Ramayana, Mahabharata, Veda. You can see the entire literature on the front. In the back, I have lots of Veda, everything I have. Anything which is published by Gita Press is out right here. And so the, the amount of information we have, the amount of culture that we have in our books, naturally that is unbalancing their minds. And that's why they are speaking rubbish because they don't have such information. They don't have such information. And even if they have such information, they won't be able to learn. Because there is a process of learning Vedic information. That is Tat Vidhi Pranipatena Pariprasena Sevaya. Updekshini Tat Jnanam Jnaninas Tattva Darshina. So it is a process. That is, that is a, they do not have Pariprasena. They do not have Paripatena. So they are insincere followers, propagandists, haters of the Vedic culture. You're on mute. Vedic yeah, I request you to translate those two words in English, because many people may not understand that. Yeah. Pariprasnena means humbly asking question with the intent of following. Number one. Number two, paripatena. Actually, that is number two. Paripatena means humbly desiring to serve the teacher. This is the Vedic culture. And, and the Vedic culture lives on these two principles. And, the, and every student comes out to be like a golden student. You know, we have done many experiments with the Gurukul students and the regular students. The general IQ level 
and the intelligence of a gurukul student is way higher it is not madrasa education madrasa education dumbs you down but the gurukul education opens your mind and the vedic culture and education is all about opening the mind and which is only possible through the vedic literatures or hindu literatures i would say proudly say i am a hindu and i will always remain hindu and and the the hindu literatures open your mind and ultimately that is the only thing which the world needs today what has happened to natives all over the world they have all hidden that information and the only surviving native culture of the world with all its power is the hindu culture and it is going to grow despite of these uh, political academics who are just working on the money from some foreign sources and to protect their job they they blah 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 they talk whatever they want in their mind and understand the first sign of an academic is they are civilized they do not spread hate if they do not have references they don't speak even for us it even for me it matters therefore i have to quote a shloka or quote a reference with before which i cannot speak because that's the way the culture and traditions go and one of the important characteristics of a hindu culture is evam parampara praptam the important thing is parampara and we have unbroken parampara many parampara goes on krishna is unlimited ram is unlimited and therefore there are many many teachers and schools of thoughts but all schools of thoughts ultimately reach to the same personalities so we are have an open mind we have a large acceptance that is not there in their culture and that's why they are jealous so these political academics are only suffering from jealousy and the universities who employ such people have to think that they do they do they want a jealous professor or a hateful professor or a propagandist or a genuine researcher and and that is severely lacking and if the universities don't step up of genuine research then definitely our paramparas will stand up and that's where that's what toppled the british government and that's what toppled will keep on toppling many other universities many other world governments also because the the effect of knowledge is tremendous the impact on knowledge is tremendous and i can very safely claim that the knowledge is still with the natives and especially hindus who are the biggest natives of the world this is a very important point and uh, you know taking talking about on this particular day lot of people are concerned lot of people are concerned they do not know how to act you know so we talk about it on the tv we talk about on various channels the media part of it we do our job of educating people like you said just now that the the entire process of education must be understood to understand something we have to understand its process right however majority of us indians are directionless you know we have the assumed knowledge that's a dangerous proposition we think we know what we need to know you know and as a result of which we do not know enough so what we are trying to do is to reach out to the people the common masses that's why i said imbibe one of the teachings talk is cheap action is tough and as a result of which we end up in a lethargic environment so the question arises is that how do we contest this entire thing on an organizational basis where is the organization that backs us 
because people look for leadership. People look for being channeled. They need help. They need guidance. They need coaching. They need a guru. Where are the gurus today to channel the, the energy and force of all of us who are right now concerned? Because what is happening is, because of science and technology, we are able to communicate. You are in San Diego. I am in New York. And people are watching us from wherever they can. And as many times as they can on YouTube on a repeat basis. How do we channel that energy? Where is Bhagwan Sri Krishna's teachings? And I consider him to a remarkably, remarkable spiritualist with an amazing pragmatic sense of life. Share your thoughts on that. Uh, wonderful question, Vibhutiji. You covered many, many aspects. First of all, the, the concept of guru. Uh, a guru is a person who is a perfect student. Just like a student has qualifications, guru has also qualifications. And, the, and just randomly, nobody can become a guru. There is a whole process of that. But if you ask any guru in the world, Ramanujacharya, anyone, they have all quoted publicly in a big way. And, and they said they are always students. So all gurus have claimed to be students. Because in this world, ultimately, the guru is Krishna, Ram. These are the main gurus we have. So my advice is, just like you search for a good university uh, to get, your, get yourself to get a good job. or So it is the duty of a seeker to search out a guru. And there are millions of good people in the world, millions of good people who have expertise in Vedic literature. I am saying millions because literally there are millions, a lot of people. Unfortunately, they don't have the money to advertise themselves. I, on the top of my mind, almost 100 to 200 teachers come out, just back of my mind right now. The, there are so many good teachers out there and each one of them is more powerful than any Western, any Western, any person Western academics have ever produced, ever produced. They have more logic, more reasoning and more culture with them. So it is a duty of a seeker to seek out. So it is a world of cheaters and cheated. It will be a very controversial statement. But I must say it, that if you, if, you have, if you do not know and if you deliberately want to just uh, work, ratify your own thoughts, so that is called you want to be cheated, then you will be cheated. But if you keep an open mind and search openly, that if you want to learn a particular topic in Veda, and you want to become an expert expert in that i'm telling you your paramatma will take you to the right teacher in the world and you have to understand one thing that the vedic knowledge is vast very vast right from politics economics to rajatantra to all kinds of things science technology anything you can say it's very vast including viman shastra so based on it and ultimately what happens is all Vedic knowledge will drive you back to, this, to the creator of everything, which is Hari. Now, so this is the beauty of Vedic knowledge, that you can be a very good architect, but at, at the same time, you will be a very sincere follower of Hari. You, <clears throat> you can become a very good Ayurveda doctor, but you can still be a very sincere follower of Hari. That's the beauty of Vedic knowledge. So it is the duty of the seeker to find out the right person to learn. And also, when you select the guru, it is also his responsibility to select whether you are qualified for the job also or not. 
to study. It's not just one-way street. Like in universities, right. because most of the universities are commercial centers. You pay your fees, you get in. But for the for the teacher, they have no choice. They go through a qualification process and they accept you. In the Gurukul system or the Indian Vedic system, the teacher normally do not charge you money. It doesn't mean what they're giving you is less. Actually, they're giving you more. And they leave it up to the student based on their ability. They can pay whatever they want to do, pay. But in the when you look at the guru, he also has to select. And the two important factors come into play there, which is truth and justice. Number one, what are you going to do with that information? What, how is, how are you going to use it? And that's what the guru determines. And based on those queries, he imparts you knowledge at the level to which you can handle it. Now, this will be very uh, difficult for people to understand or to learn that somebody is selecting them too. But that is the way of knowledge seeking and knowledge giving. Uh, they, because you do not give knowledge to everybody, they may misuse it and they may use it for some other nefarious purposes. So it is the duty of the student to seek out the guru and and the duty of the guru to select a disciple also or to student also. Now, second part of your question that the Hindus uh, have practically uh, lost leadership or something. The, the point is the colonization on the Hindu minds has been the worst in the world. Right. And it is the it is still continuing. People may think colonization has ended, but it has not ended. The modern democracies and the modern communist systems, these are all colonizing uh, in sources of information, including the, the imposition of Abrahamic cultures on different people is also colonization. It is, it is a far worse colonization where the libraries are burnt, books are burnt, and uh, the, the political systems are taken over, and Hindus have suffered all those things. But it is to the credit of our gurus and parampara that they have continuously countered it. So these modern colonialists, like the professor you mentioned, I don't want to even dignify her by taking her name. So the people you have mentioned, they are the agents of the same colonization. They are Max Muller's children. What Max Muller did in 1800s, they are doing it in 2021. And because they are fearful, because they are fearful of truth. The truth is the biggest casualty because they know they're getting exposed day by day. And somebody was somebody else was comparing them to Putana because Putana spreads venom, wish. She's a wish kanya. And they try to kill Vedic culture. And these are the remnants of those Putana. But Hindus, I feel they're at a very good spot today. This is a this is exciting. This is a very good information age. Lot of fake information is there on, on Wikipedia and Quora. That is Avidya. So you should know that is all Avidya. Go back to the books. Like I, I just show you a book. You know, my favorite books. Go back to the original source and read it for yourself. It is written for you. You know, the all these literatures, Krishna, uh, Veda Puran is created for us humanity. And it is for you to read and repeat. Our mantra is very simple. Read and repeat. The information has come from Vyasdev, Valmiki. There are great rishis. They are the gurus. Anyone who follows them and, and learns from them and becomes expert in the, not that knowledge and also in his personal character becomes a guru. 
Vibhuti ji is a wonderful person. To uh, he's he's learned it and his heart is in the right place. These are people who are gurus. So you are looking for gurus with a lens when the guru is standing sitting right in front of you. That's, thank you very much for giving me the status that uh, you know you have endowed on me. So thank you very much for saying so. However, this is another important part. You know, like one of the key issues is that we know now that Hindus are under attack. And one of the complaints which mostly comes about, it's a tragic one, that we, are, we have no unity. This is a question that always arises. You addressed it in the beginning that, thanks, Audrey, you are uniting the Hindus. So this is a very important concept for everybody to realize that only in unity there is a strength. That's where the energy gets mobilized because everybody has to do a role. So how does the unity concept work in the Indian context, in the Hindu context? How must it work? Because as I see it, you know, there is a spiritual part of it and then there is real politics. We saw the impact of real political thoughts or, you know, when Arjun feels helpless, how can I do this? You know, I'm killing my own people. Then Krishna gives him education about that. What must happen in this 21st century attack on our dharma, the way it is happening? Because that's what is concerning because people know now that, uh, you know, the dharmic pratha of Hindus are under attack very, very wrongfully. Because Hindus, as I said some, to somebody yesterday, is that we are the most peace-loving people in the planet Earth. I have not come across, apart from occasional legal issues, that Hindus are a law and order problem in any country of the world. We are not a law and order problem. Forget about the occasional white-collar crime or misdemeanor or whatever that is. But we are the most law-abiding people. We seek peace, yet we are under attack. So the question is that most of the people are confused. They end up being confused, either the lack of knowledge or abundance of spirituality. Ram Bharu say, Bhagwan dekhenge, this is my karma. But you forget your dharma to arise, to protect your dharma. And that's what is important for us to figure out. So in this 21st century, in this 2021 incidentally, we are under attack and we NRIs have, are under attack because we are one of the most successful immigrant community anywhere. Is it jealousy? Is it the fear that these guys have not been conquered yet? So there are means adopted to destroy us. So for example, Afghanistan, with this incident, you know, the last of the Sikhs and Hindus have left Afghanistan. Our entire historical heritage of Takshashila, Gandhar, Mahabharat is over in Afghanistan. Pakistan and Bangladesh are gradually demolishing. The percentage of population has shrunk remarkably. What does, what does the group of people do to protect and defend their dharma? Where does the unity come from? <laughs> You mentioned some very important point, and this is the problem which I hear all the time. And I've been hearing it for 30 years, almost 20 years, everywhere. The most united people, if you look at in the Hindu communities, are the people of the 
guru paramparas like there are small associations there is a swami narayan association there is con association there is a lot of different associations in my mission they are very organized very arvindo mission they are very very organized people who are outside of those organizations or they are not united and that's what we are referring to because they are the majority of the people who are outside these paramparas they are the majority the 80 20 so, principle right 80 20 so 20% are organized and they and the remaining 80% are not organized or maybe i would say 60 40 40% are organized but 60% not organized right uh, people are organized around their temples if you look at the abrahamic culture it's a one book culture and in our uh, in our culture in the vedic culture hindu culture adi sankaracharya vaishampayan Vaishampayan was a disciple of Vyasadeva, and Adi Sankaracharya repeated it. Uh, the one book has been considered as a cream of Vedic information. People are who are interested in Upanishad. Then Gita is also called Gita Upanishad. So in the Brahmic culture is organized around one books. So for Muslims there is one book, there is Christians there is one book, and there is a for the Jews it is one book. and they regularly make sure that every member of theirs is adherent to that book in the hindu culture we we have been told by max muller and other pro- british propagandists don't keep mahabharat at home they have, we are told that mahabharat brings brings clash or fights within the family and traditionally they wanted us to disarm us with the with even the capacity to politically unite or rise and that has continued in the indian education system even till date we were told that the invaders were a blessing on us muslim invaders brought culture we, that's what we were told uh, in the schools and textbooks now we are discovering that what akbar did the akbar was also a terrorist in a way what akbar did what aurangzeb did what all other people did who invaded india was almost like today's standard of terrorism now the education which has been told to us that do not follow anything just follow your own mind that's what has been told to us while they are following a book we have been told to follow a mind we have been told to become secular but they they are not in secular even even america as a society is not a secular country is judeo christian country that's what they claim majority of american 72% of americans claim it's a judeo christian country and including the immigrants they say nowadays they've added judeo christian islamic nation that's what they're adding now so the only us as a hindu community we do not have faith as a basis of unity so the number one thing is unity comes when there is a common purpose and the common purpose for us or the common object of purpose or a purpose of object what do you say it is bhagavad gita that's adi sankaracharya said it and ramanujacharya said it madhvacharya said it all these great rishis and munis they have valued that one book bhagavad gita as the essence of all vedic literature so unless that book book becomes the center of our political economic and uh, other discourses we are and even the social justice social justice is the best in bhagavad gita and unless that book becomes the center of our dealings and interactions with each other 
and with the outside world, that with the unity will not come. And unity just on the basis of WhatsApp tweets, WhatsApp messages, and order touch case, you know, many of these people, that is a temporary unity. It's not a long-term unity. It's like, uh, you know, you, you just because you like samosa in the morning, you cannot have samosa for 365 days in the year. You will not like it. So the, these events and these are the symbols of disunity, actually. They are temporary unity and temporary disunity. Permanent unity in the Hindu culture will come when every family, every child is taught Bhagavad Gita and discusses everything in the world around the, all the current events from the perspective of Bhagavad Gita. Now, let me tell you one thing. Very, uh, uh, the social justice, how I said social justice is the best in Bhagavad Gita. Now, number one, there is a big propaganda against, I know that your questions will come up later on. Caste is a big word used by all these people. That the Brahmins are the ones who exploit the other castes. Now, caste is a Portuguese word. We have discussed in the last uh, session. It has nothing to do with India. India is Varna. So my question to you, to all these Hindus who have misunderstood it, is from Hindi Varnamala, Ka, Ka, Ga, Ga, Sanskrit Varnamala, Ka, Ka, Ga, Ga, or English alphabet, A, B, C, D, which one is better? Tell me. Do you, will you give preference that every word of yours will start with A because you think it is better? You won't be able to speak. People will make fun of you. So the Varna system is not based on birth. It's based on qualities and your and your work. So this information has been told to us and this is what disunites people. The second thing is we have been told whatever you think is the way. That is the philosophy being told to us and that is not our philosophy. That is, uh, that is not the philosophy which is taught in Bhagavad Gita. Our philosophy is that your karma decides your destiny. Whatever you act is what is your way will be. So you have to choose where you want to go. Like if you want to go from San Diego to New York, you cannot take a flight to London. You will not reach New York. You will go to London. So we have to make a directed effort towards where we want to achieve. So the concept of unity will remain a distant dream unless we all unite on the basis of Bhagavad Gita and discussing it. Discussing doesn't mean that you remember and wrote uh, by learning. It is discussion means that we need to make it relevant while in discussions to current events. Like for example, I'll tell you one thing. Like what is the problem which is happening in Afghanistan and all the, all the other places? Bhagavad Gita says very one answer. And Krishna has told it seven, eight thousand years back. Artha Sanchayan. Asuri Pravritim Artha Sanchayan. That Asura always want to gain wealth or collect wealth at all costs. They don't think about anything, whether it's hurting people or it's not hurting people. And that is what is going on. So in one word, he has summarized it 8,000 years, 5,000, 8,000. Different scholars have different dates. And depending on the research and their references, I have not analyzed them. All of them are right according to me. But I'll say between 5,000 to 8,000 years back, it is still valid today. So in one line, I have summarized the entire political philosophy. And that is told by Krishna in Bhagavad Gita. The second thing he said, sorry, you're mute. That was borrowed by Bill Clinton when he said, if the economy is stupid. <laughs> what, what, a, what a way to 
borrow our idea and put it in that fashion. That's what is important. You were saying something. You continue, then I will. I will come come up with the next yeah. issue. The, the second mind. point, which was, uh, uh, I just give one political example. How to summarize today's events? Second is, danda, the arajakta, arajakta. There is only one solution to arajakta. In Bhagavan Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita also is danda. So anarchy, which is being spread all over the world to destabilize the world, because that is what is happening, and ultimately somebody is going to make money out of it and that's what the whole society today is all about and believe me i'm talking from bhagavad gita right now i can give you references and everything else so this is how you connect bhagavad gita to today's world and and if you know the process of learning then you will not find any uh, inconsistency in krishna's words in bhagavad gita and also the description of events or geographical events between Mahabharata and Ramayana. I'll give it to you. That's right. Thank you very much. Because you brought up the concept of faith here. And there, there is another word called trust. You know, this is an important word, trust, Vishwas. You know, like Bhagavan Krishna created a team. You know, apply it with the modern you know happenings around us. You talked about the Afghanistan scenario is all driven by Arthic and tamasic, you know, mentality, right? This is where people want to control everything. So as a result of which, what happens is that we live in a remarkably material world, whether we like it or not. Uh, you know, all we are pursuing, artha, kama, moksha, all these steps that we have to live with, we have to do that. But there's a thing called trust. And one of the things which I have noticed uh, in, in us Hindus is the lack of trust and that lack of trust is also because of lack of sufficient knowledge and understanding. Because trust is the basic element that unites community, teams, sports, army. There's a trust and a faith. Like once one of the greatest generals of Indian Army had said, we were sharing a platform on leadership. He said in the armed forces, their motto is country first, battalion next, me last. In material world, it's me, me, and mine, right? How does one bring about the cohesion in that? Because lack of trust, it shuts us down by li not listening to anybody and suspecting a motive. And I have been saying that, this particular thing, that once that happens, there is no unity, there is no prosperity. And one of the things that I personally want to tell all Hindus is that you have to allow people, when they are doing something, let them do it. Learn the lessons from the battle of sports. Military trusts each other. Sportsmen trust each other. The goalkeeper will not allow to defeat the team. The striker is scoring and the goalkeeper is leaking. You can't win. So if there are people like Adit Satsangi, Vibhuti, Jha, you know, Pushpendra Kulaseshtra, Sanjay Dikshit, or Gaurav, uh, Gaurav, uh, whatever names, Gaurav Pradhan, or, uh, you know, Major Gaurav Arya, or there are so many of us, we are trying to do something instead of support each one of them. And we have to remember that just because you are a striker of the team, you run around the ground, 
for missing 10 goals but scoring one doesn't mean <coughs> that you are the hero of the thing because everybody has a contribution to make whether it's the opening batsman or the last batsman or the opening bowler or the replacement bowler. Everybody has to do his job. And we must know that we can't fight with each other just because we establish our virtue that I'm, I'm better than you. How, unless that happens, the trust, the unity will be missing out. The other element that I talked about, I want to say, is the language part of it. That is one issue. Caste is is a completely different discussion. And I want to have a big conf, uh, discussion on caste issue, how to dispel that, you know. But language in India is a major challenge. And I believe that we have to unite behind our language. We talk about English. We talk about Sanskrit. We, you know, I am requesting people, every North Indian, every North Indian or Hindi-speaking guy must learn one of the South Indian languages, you know, or any other language, whether it's Assamese, whether it's whether it is uh, Marathi, I have learned some Marathi, or Malayalam, or Kannada, or Tamil, or Telugu, whatever it is. Learn. That's how you will bring about a homogeneity of purpose because then we realize how Sanskrit was used in every language. At the moment, we are confused because we don't understand, we don't see the linkage that Sanskrit has in our all our languages and that's what is important for us to know every south indian i must say i have lived in bangalore i have traveled in kerala very extensively in tamil nadu a couple of times they all understand hindi i don't blame them for that they understand hindi follow hindi because of movies or whatever but hindi speaking the northern belt doesn't pay attention to the southern language. This I'm a Hindi-speaking guy, and I've lived in South, and that's why I want to say this. That every North Indian, whether it's in the United States or anywhere, learn a South Indian language. That's where you will establish the unity of purpose. So my thought process is very, very important. The trust that we need today is of highest importance. Because if we do not have trust, the cost of trust, mistrust is very, very high for all of us. So the point which I'm trying to make is, is that, you know, you have so many associations in America. I haven't seen many of them contest or voice their opposition to this nonsensical thing done on Hindus by in the name of academic freedom. How do we do that? Your thoughts? So, number one problem in the American academic system and also European academic system is scholarly consensus. Mm -hmm. And that disease is coming in India also. So, scholarly consensus means that a group of professors decide whom they take in inside their own coterie. And everything is again driven by Artha Sanchayan. Because if they bring somebody outside in, then they cannot continue their Max Miller propaganda against Hindus, against America now. All these people have turned against USA now, most of them. And they are inventing new, new theories, colonial theories like race, uh, the, the race, uh, what is it, critical race theory. Critical race theory. Now, critical race theory is an excellent fooling of non-Christians, actually. So they are blaming the white supremacists, but what they want to do is create another kind of supremacy who debunks that supremacy. So they're actually fooling everybody else. So it's like, 
negative to negative is still positive. So what they're doing is a negative propaganda to control the narrative in the US and also the US political discourse. Now, coming back to the trust, trust is a very important quality, but the solution of trust is only given in Indian history. Now, I'll give one live example, which most of the viewers may love to hear, is that, first of all, the first principle of trust is to give, dadati. Sanskrit word is dadati. Yeah. And then pratigranati. Then guyam, akhyati. So first you give, you take, you reveal your heart in confidence, then you accept somebody's heart in confidence. Bhungte bhojate cheva. First you feed others, bhungte means give others some food, and bhojate, accept also. But if you see one thing constant, is everywhere you give first. Everywhere. You know, a mother gives love to the child first. Child doesn't even know that she's the mother when he's born or she's born. And the mother gives her love, father gives his love, and the child gradually starts reciprocating when they grow up. So everywhere the giving principle comes first. Now, the, the trust in the community, the uh, what do you call it, even better than trust is love. Because when there is love, then trust is automatically there. The, the, the trust is broken when this cycle is broken. Giving is broken. The first year to learn to give, give, give. And then, uh, you know, there is a very famous uh, story actually uh, where, where uh, a sadhu used to go to a village and he used to always ask something. And there is one woman comes out, gives him ashes in her hands all the time. And the sadhu takes the ashes and goes away. And every day it is happening for a long time. His disciple asked him, Sadhu, why you go to her house? That she only gives you ashes? After she cooks her coal and wood, whatever she picks her ashes gives to you. The sadhu says, at least she's giving. At least she's giving. So I go to accept what she's giving. You know? I'll connect you with the story of Ramayana actually. Now, in Ramayana, we all know Sugriva was very scared of Wali and when Bhagwan Ram visited the, uh, the Matangarishi ashram, very near to that, he was staying there. But he won't come out because he was, he was thought that Sri Ram and Lakshman were sent by Wali to kill him. What Sri Ram did was very interesting. This is the first example of a trust. Sri Ram went to him. Somehow he was, he was scared, but he came out and met him. He first sent Hanuman actually. Hanuman came out for this is the first meeting of Hanuman and Sri Ram. Hanuman met Sri Ram and with the way Hanuman was speaking, Sri Ram tells Lakshman that this person has studied all the Veda. And if he is a messenger of Sugriva, then Sugriva must be a good man. And then Hanuman takes him to Sugriva and, and this first meeting happens. The first thing Hanuman, Sri Ram offers him, what can I do to you, for you? What can I do for you? Now here, Bhagwan is taking the role of a human and, and telling, asking what to do. This is a great example for, these are the case studies. And uh, these are the case studies, see, entire Vedic literature, I call it a system of case studies. Different, different messages are there. So there is always the principle of giving or seva, niswartha seva comes first. And people are worried they'll be cheated. Let me tell you one thing. 
that if your karma is good, you'll never be cheated because that karma is going to give you back. And sometimes you have to give up the mentality of gains, like what will I get? What will I benefit? You have to give up that mentality. If, if, and in my life I've experienced that the moment I have expectation from somebody, that work never gets completed. So whatever I do, whatever I've been doing with no expectation, and I've been getting rewarded in multiple ways. You know, when people challenge me uh, for something and I started something else. So every threat or everything is an opportunity and your karma never goes waste. It's a guaranteed thing. If you do good to others, the good, again, that is a word from Bhagavad Gita. A person who do good to others is never lost. That is told in Bhagavad Gita by Krishna himself. So we have to have faith that it is our karma that matters. So even though you may do, and my grandmother used to tell me, just in Marathi she used to tell me, and that do the best you can for somebody else, for their benefit. Be a nice person. Be a gentleman. She used to train me like that, my grandmother. Now, second thing you said about uh, one of the questions was the, uh, can you repeat the second part which I missed out? There's one other part. You're on mute. You made me forget the second part. <laughs> anyway, we'll come back. We'll come back to that. But let's let's go back to the given time that we have. We have had a very interesting spiritual understanding of the things. However, as the rubber meets... This is commonsensical. This yeah. is not just spiritual. This is commonsensical. Commonsensical. What I'm trying to say is that spiritually is not nonsense. Yes, yeah, Sanskrit language. Sanskrit, the language. Yes. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. The... the, the even in the Ramayana time, I will be very short, so you can continue very short. During the Ramayana time, the local language spoken was uh, Madesi. That is a version, local dialect, Avadi. Yeah. But the official language was Sanskrit. Even Mahabharata time, the local languages were different, but the official language was Sanskrit. Sanskrit is the most uniting language in Bharat. It is the most uniting language Telugu is 80% Sanskrit. Uh, Kerala, uh, Malayalam is 70% Sanskrit. Marathi is 65% Sanskrit to 80% people claim. Hindi is the only one which has least amount of Sanskrit. It has more Farsi words on, on there. Hindi is around 40% Sanskrit. So what I'm say, trying to say is it will be easy for people to speak in Sanskrit. Bhavata tum, bhavata kim. You know, simple, simple as that. Yeah, yes. yeah. So it is, this is this is what I that whenever somebody says that we should be grateful to the British for giving us the English language that unites everybody, I say that hey, British came to India, the golden bird, which has 26% of the world trade without English. Why don't we look back at our own history? And it's not an ancient history. It's a modern history. We were the golden bird with 26% of the world trade without English. And we will establish the connectivity of every language via Sanskrit if we begin to understand, as you rightly said, the percentage of Sanskrit in Marathi, Tamil, Telugu, Kannada, whatever it is, you know, like it is there. 
So if you begin to hear those words, we will know exactly what is going on. So that's one thing. But I wanted to get back to the given time that we have. That in America right now, there is a woke culture. And there is a definite amount of jealousy against Indians and Hindus. Indians particularly, I say Hindus specifically, driven towards that. The point I'm trying to make is, is that if this kind of attacks continue, then what will happen is that we become victims. We become victims. We become sufferers. Because there will be a constant attack on us. And there will be a huge gap between what children study in universities and what they come back and say to us. So there is a definite disconnect between the first generation Indians who have prospered and made good in life here materially. But there is a total disconnect on the other side of the story. When the children say that we are Hindus, we are pagans and we are whatever, we are not respecting of others in reality, we are the most non-interfering in other people's faith, which I always say that I'm perfectly cool and happy if you believe Jesus is the only way good for you. You found it. If you believe Allah is supreme, you found your peace with Allah in Allah. Leave us alone. We are on the path of our own search and seeking. Leave us alone doesn't make us wrong. How does that assertion come about? Because there is a very interesting gap between Hindus in this part of the world the first generation, second generation, and the third. How do we address that challenge of bringing the unity of purpose? Let me take you back to the history of Mahabharata. I've written three books on Mahabharata. In one of the books, Narada, the making of a statesman. First of all, wherever there is a dharma, it is a duty of a Hindu to speak up. Whether it is Afghanistan, whether it is USA, whether it is Native American, South American. Wherever something wrong has been done, we are the voice of the right. We have to know that. We have to question that. Like, for example, we, what we have seen, they just close your eyes, whatever is happening around, just leave it to ourselves. That doesn't happen. It's like, if you close your eyes, it's like an ostrich. You close your eyes, put your head in the sand, but your body is still outside. This kind of mentality has destroyed Hinduism or Sanatan Dharma. That was not taught in Mahabharata. That is taught by the British. Mahabharata, yeah. Narad Muni says, and Chanakya actually took information from there and built it up through other economic sources. That's how the Shastra was created. During Mahabharata time, Narad Muni tells Yudhishthir, I won't instruct you in Arthashastra because you're already Nipur, already very good in that. So Yudhishthir was very good in Arthashastra. And Chanakya did a human's job, but the thought process. So wherever there is a dharma, it is the duties of Hindus to speak up and interfere. Like, for example, the problems in the Abrahamic faith, now we have to start speaking on their problems. Like the women are not being protected in the Abrahamic culture, we have to speak up. We have to challenge that. Uh, children getting uh, uh, bad, uh, bad things done to the children, we have to openly say it, that our Hindu dharma doesn't allow that. Why are you doing it? Because dharma, understand, dharma also means law. Law of the land. Dharma also means that. Dharma means a system of right, righteousness. So wherever there is a criminal activity done, in any culture, in any faith, we have to question it. It doesn't matter. We have to challenge 
that based on Bhagavad Gita, I am challenging how can you marry four women on based on Bhagavad Gita. Based on Bhagavad Gita, I am challenging why why you are uh, why the women have to be covered. That is the biggest problem. Based on Bhagavad Gita, I am challenging that why I have to speak English. I am speaking English because I speak to Americans too, some Americans or for general language. But I can speak in Sanskrit also. Not very fluently, but a little bit. But the, the point which I'm saying is we have to start giving commentaries on the rest of the world on the basis of our Vedic Shastra. Right. And that's the mindset we have to change. We don't have to live in colonial mindset of just listening and listening to the white man telling us. First of all, we don't believe in white, brown, green, yellow, blue. You know, of all the five Pandavas, two were whitish complexion, remaining were black complexion. So the, the, the point which I'm trying to say, skin color doesn't matter to us. Good and karma matters to us. We are not impressed by your color, but impressed with your actions and your qualities. So we have to start challenging them. And we have to be very proud. We have to always quote only Indian rishis and munis. Valmiki says this, what is the problem in your society? Or the other guy will say, I don't know Valmiki. I said, now it's time for me to educate you who is Valmiki. You know, the Krishna says this, why are you doing it? Krishna says that that uh, Krishna says many things, but one of the things he says, Krishna says, everyone has a right to do work. Karma, adhikar. Why in the name of religion, race, and other things, you are stopping people to work? So the same uh, evil uh, uh, professors, these are the academic terrorists, the same people, we need to ask, Bhagavad Gita says, that we have to keep an open mind and we have to work according to Tadvidhi Pranipatena Pariprasana Sevaya. Why you do not allow an open discourse? Bhagavad Gita says this, why are you not allowing it? So, what I'm trying to say, Bhagavad Gita is a commonsensical book. I don't call it a religious book because religion tells you what to do. Bhagavad Gita lets you find out yourself. There's a difference between dharma and religion. Absolutely. Totally. So we have to start talking and commenting on them. Like we have to say that Yudhicha Palayanam. You should never run, run, show your back in the battlefield. That's a Chatriya Dharma. You know, then why did Biden run away? He said, you are going against Dharma. Biden ran away from, uh, from Afghanistan. So we can directly quote uh, the Bhagavad Gita and say that the Bhagavad Gita says this, so you have done an adharmic activity. So unless we challenge others, and the biggest export from India should be Dharma. That should be the um, Indian political philosophy to be sent to all over the world. That was done in Mahabharata time. All the wars were done to install dharma. We have not started doing that. <laughs> we have to. And this is the point which I want to come to a close of the show. We have, we have a couple of questions. Viewers, if you have questions, please ask. It, I, mean, I don't want to have this a two-person dialogue only. But you can definitely ask questions so that you're, we will try to address that question. And before we get to the question, maybe this is the question that we will start with. Why are most European and U.S. universities left-leaning? This is the 21st century phenomenon, or it has been going on for a while. And this has been so since decades. How does that happen? So, uh, number one, left and right were invented by the French. Anyone who opposed the government was the left. Anyone which, which was in favor of the government monarch was the right now in a democracy these positions keep changing so there is no permanent left there is no permanent right unfortunately 
because of academic stupidity. We have made a permanent left, permanent right. When a Hindu tells me, any Hindu person tells me, I am a right winger. It's the most stupidest statement you can make. Because as a Hindu, we are supposed to be neither left nor right. I've written an article on psychology.com. I've written many articles there. We are neither left nor right. We are dharmic. We, are, we go by our brains. So left and right is for the brainless people. So let's kick this stigma out. We are not right fingers. We are not left fingers. We are dharmic fingers. Because we are, we are common sense. We are brains. See, only a, 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 you know, I have, great, I have a cow in my house and I have great respect. I don't call cattle. But only the, the sheep follow a brain one side. You know, one leadership should go, everybody will go there. And the point which I'm trying to say is only sheep have herd mentality. Goats have herd mentality. So don't brand yourself as left or right. And American universities are not left. They are totally stupid and irrelevant today. So I tell people, if you want to become, if you want to close your, if you want to just get a job, join an American university, you'll get a job, okay? Because that is there. But if you want to do, so get the skills from American universities, but do not learn the culture that they're trying to spread. Like most of the Indian kids or Hindu kids go to Berkeley. So they go there as a dharmic kid and come out as a totally jackass. They, they come out as totally, totally looking in the sky. Because they totally learned that Bhagavad Gita is a fictional material. Okay, So do join there. American universities are left-leaning because they want to destroy America. And actually, not destroy America, but they want to continue the colonization. Democrats are the ones who are supporting the left because they want to spread the narrative and gain votes. At the end of the day, Nancy Pelosi is a very rich congresswoman. $114 million in San Francisco. She started at $70,000. Uh, Joe Biden started at $70,000 salary. Today is $8.9 million. So actually, $16.5 million was the tax filing he did in 2018. So the point which I'm trying to say is they are left-leaning because of money. And, that's and, and coming, to, coming to that part, you know, how must we arise to fight the barbarians? And we talked about it. Dharma. Everybody, every individual, the easiest way to understand what dharma means is not an esoteric concept. It's not an imaginary thought. Because individually, intrinsically, intelligently, we all individuals today who are watching the show or will watch tomorrow will know that when they are doing the right thing and the wrong thing, they know exactly when you are doing the wrong thing. And that's one of the things is that if you do not inquire what Adityaji said about questioning, I use the word inquire, jigyasa, knowledge, seeking, comes by only making an inquiry. And that's the important part for us to do, is to begin to ask the, make the inquiry of whatever comes your way. If you do not ask the question, if you do not make inquiry, then you become accepting of whatever comes your way. This but, is but to these really academics, true. we have to really challenge them. Yes, challenge them. Vad, vivad is part of our cultural heritage. Debate and dialogue is a part of our cultural heritage. So coming to the next question, uh, please put up the second question. Poonam Abhiji is asking, why we don't get it? We were 26% of the world GDP share with <laughs> English reduced us to less than 2%. Uh, 
how then that British and English made India prosperous? I mean, we, they did not. I mean, we both agree on that. You give your I tell you, I tell you a very interesting story. When the Spanish conquistadors conquered South America, South America was way richer than Spain, and today again it is way richer than Spain. Spain is a poor country as compared to Mexico. Yeah. Now the there are only three objectives. One was gold, glory, and God. So gold, glory, and God, that was the agenda. And uh, the Indian, in fact, when the Islamic loot started, before that, Indian share of the GDP was 47%, 47% of the world trade. Islam reduced it to 26%, and the British reduced it to 2%. So both Abrahamic faiths have been bad on any economy of the world. It's not, it's not just India, it's South America, everywhere else. Because when you peep, dumb people down with a one book culture, you destroy the inherent innovativeness of the economy. And that's what we need to focus on. That the dharma increases innovativeness. Dharma is not dogmatic. Right. Dharma gives you freedom. Because I am speaking to you freely. Believe me, most of the church goers will not be able to talk like that. Either the mosque people. They have to come back to the book. And they have to say, this is, you know, all the Muslims want uh, Islam, but no Sharia. So this is right there, there is inconsistency there. You know, everybody wants, everyone wants uh, Bible, but yeah. no, no, the kingdom of God. Why? Because the inconsistency is the same concept. That's right. And this is this is where I, I have my own thought on it, and that's a very simple thought. That whether you are a vegan, vegetarian, or ahinsa ke param pujari, you know, great believer in non-violence. But if you are attacked, if your honor is attacked, you have to arise to defend it. And you arise to defend it and counteract and counter counter counter, counter yeah. attack. That's how you act. Arise is when you act, and that's what I'm saying. You have to be in the state of preparedness. You know, Narada Narada tells you this: to continuously attack, continuously. Correct. Yeah. Right. So you so have the, to be continuously to, asking for the debating. protecting dharma. We have to take the fight into the enemy territory. That's dharma. Correct. Right. That's why I say you have to be in a state of readiness, regardless of your follower of whatever belief system you are, you have to be in the state of readiness with knowledge and preparedness to act. Shiram was, was always wearing the, all the uh, armor all the time. Right. That's what is it. Next question, please. Chanakya says you have to deal wicked with more wickedness and you have to use the language which the enemy understands. That's what we have been talking about. <laughs> if you want to actually, add something more to this. Actually, this I, I'll tell you one. Chanakya, Chanakya uh, Niti says that when the enemy attacks with a particular strategy, you have to counter with an alternative strategy. So, so the answer to wickedness is usually kindness. Because the kindness always wins. So Chandragupta Maurya when he attacked viciously Nanda's dynasty, he defeated the majority of the army with kindness, but only to Nanda. Nanda also he gave kindness. He gave safe passage. Okay, because it builds trust of the masses. Chanakya says, so you have to always do. So one thing Chanakya did: the attacks on the western front of India. There is a very nice play also. There is a serial made. 
but there is more to that on the western front on the river ravi now ravi and takshila the chanakya attacked the forces chandragupta attacked the forces with vengeance because the enemy was weak but on to mahapadma nanda mananda he attacked with friendliness because they were his own people so there are different standards used to reply but the counter attack is always tangential is not linear thank you for a nice question you're on mute guys uh, you know talking about the vad vivad debate questions and inquiries it is very important for us to be able to question the basic legitimacy of something and the things that come to my mind is to get engaged in the societies that you live in we live in and you have to begin to ask questions so begin to ask questions about what exactly is freedom of religion you know is conversion a sin against god's original intent aditya could have been albert vibhuti could have been victor or somebody else could have been a mulla a name whatever is there but then god made us what we are if he is the creator is conversion a sin against original god's original intent you know the that fundamental questions that we have to ask we have to ask this question you want to fight the barbarians we have to ask a question where is human rights in taliban why amnesty international why human rights organizations are not questioning the element of human rights violations in these societies why are they asking us when we are managing our own life so very peacefully yeah it's not perfect there is always imperfection in the societies and countries that we live in nothing is perfect the point is very important here is that we have to get ready that's the only way to fight the barbarian do not take an attack lying down you have to take the attack standing up there are very simple principles that we have to stand up for so you know aditi ji it has been a wonderful conversation we have crossed an hour and uh, you know want to thank you viewers like subscribe support and uh, you know Uh, your support is the biggest encouragement for us many of you always ask is the tv dialogue enough to solve the problem but that's the first part of learning this is if we were not able to use the technology to share what we want to share with you that's what is important making inquiries asking questions not taking things lying down and you know we have to we have to kind of be ready regardless of who you are if you are attacked you have to arise to protect and defend and to protect and defend you have to be in the state of readiness you just don't become ready overnight you don't get up from bed and start driving a car learning the manual to how to drive a car doesn't make you a good driver just as you know learning how to swim from a book will not make you a good swimmer you have to practice 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 and practice therefore study bhagavad gita study you know our texts our puranas vedas everything else and that's what is important for us to be able to get ready to fight thank you viewers thank you adit ji for being with us see you again next week namaste namaste